The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Happy Friday, everyone. It's the final day of my week-long conversation with Mark Schultz, co-author of The Good Life, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. If you missed any of my earlier chats with Mark, you can find them in your podcast feed or in our Next Big Idea app. All week, we've been talking about the singular importance of relationships. On average, good relationships cause you to live longer, experience less illness. They make your life more interesting and fun. Now, maybe you find this point to be obvious. Of course, good relationships are key to a good life. But you'd be surprised to learn how pervasive isolation is. How many people say they don't know who they could turn to in a crisis? The problem of loneliness is a real one, and it hits especially hard at some stages of life. But Mark says you should never give up hope. It's never too late to improve your connections with others. Andrew Deering lived one of the most difficult and isolated lives of any study participant. As a child, Andrew's family moved a lot, and he didn't develop any lasting friends. His struggles with meaningful connections continued even after getting married in his 30s. When asked in his mid-60s to describe his closest friends in life and what they had meant to him, Andrew wrote simply, no one. When Andrew was 67, he was forced by health problems to retire from a job that was one of the few sources of pleasure and connection in his life. Around that same time, he decided to end his marriage. He was lonelier than ever. He decided to start going to a gym near his house. Three months later, Andrew knew everyone at the club and looked forward to seeing them when he visited. He also discovered that a few of them shared a love for old movies, and they started getting together to watch movies. When we checked in with Andrew in his 80s, we asked how often he left his home to see others or had people visit him. He told us daily, quite a change from his earlier answer of never. We live in a world that hungers for greater human connection. Sometimes we might feel that we are adrift in life, that we're alone, and that we're past the point where we can do anything to change that. Andrew had felt this way for a long time, but he was wrong. It wasn't too late because the truth is it's never too late. I think we all know what you're talking about here. The idea that when we're kids, when we're in school, it's easy to make friends. When we're in college, it's easy to make friends. When we have kids that are in school, that can be a way to make friends. But in general, as one gets older, it can be tricky to make new friends and to keep old friendships alive. Do you agree with that? So I think that's right. As as we age, our social networks often get smaller. Um, when we retire, one of the big challenges, which I think is underappreciated when people think about retirement, is rebuilding our connections with others, having a life that's filled with important connections that, again, enliven us and, and help us feel connected to something bigger than ourselves. So people who are successful at retiring, they, they find new sources of meaning and purpose, but they also find new playmates. They find connections with others that are important to them. Oftentimes it's through an activity. So one can think about volunteering 
or spending time with others in recreation. It might be pickleball or walking. Those are great activities because we know that repeated contact with people over time leads to new friendships. That's how friendships develop. Um, But this idea of being physically isolated can be true at any age. So one of the really striking things in the loneliness data is that young people, college students, report some of the highest rates of loneliness despite the fact that they're living in close proximity with many other people like them engaged in a similar activity. But their experience, their subjective experience is that people don't know them, that people don't have their back. They feel socially isolated. They feel a sense of disconnection with others. So it's critical to remember it's not just about physical proximity. It's about the ways in which those connections unfold and the way that we experience them inside of us, whether we feel like people are Um, they they have our back, they know who we are, they're interested in our well-being. That's a key part of the experience at any age. So we need to think about this at all points in our life, points of transition, it's particularly important. What are the ways that we can maximize our connections with others? What can we do to get out of the house and be with other people in a way that will make it likely that we have friends and connections that, that are important to us? So looking for those forks in the road, which transitions often present, um, which of those paths forward might allow us to, be, uh, to have lives that are filled with meaningful connections and just the presence of other people in our life. Yeah, I think I'll take this moment to give a shout out to my parents who are in their, <laughs> they're in their 80s. They're part of two or maybe three different book clubs. Uh, they, my dad does a, I believe, monthly call with his high school friends. They still check in with each other once a month. Um, they have walking groups and they've really managed to keep very active social lives. But I think it's been very intentional uh, on their part and it's impressive. And I'm planning on modeling myself after them. Well, I was just going to say, so, so wonderful for them and what an important model for you, right? I mean, that's a gift to give your children um, when you know people like that, whether they're your parents or friends that are modeling that kind of good behavior and, and the way that they prioritize connections. That's a gift for all of us. It got me thinking some of what they're doing is it falls into the category of sort of lifelong learning, you know, through their book group and some of these other things. And I think you mentioned, you know, like Andrew Deering, who you talk about, he started making friends when he started going to the gym. So the relationships are part of it, but I'm wondering, like in this study, obviously the main takeaway of the Harvard study is relationships are the most important, but are there any other things besides relationships, maybe connected, like learning, like health and fitness that jump to the front? Of course. So there are many lessons from 85 years of research and hundreds and hundreds of studies. So, you know, your health behaviors matter. Exercising is important. Going to a doctor regularly. Uh, Smoking is not good for you. Drinking alcohol in excess is not good for you. Um, We've talked a little bit about this idea in the book of how we deal with adversity and challenge is also really critical. So it's our, our coping strategies or style about how we navigate through challenges and stress are really important. And there is this idea, you were asking about lifelong learning, and I think it's connected to one of the things that relationships at their best do for us. So if we're connected to other people, they expose us to new ideas. If we have a particularly close relationship, we often use that relationship as a base to explore things that maybe we're a little bit afraid about. Maybe we won't be good at it or we won't do it well, or we won't like it. Uh, But if we have a kind of secure base, we have a a friend or a relationship in which we feel 
safe. And that person encourages us or holds our hand as we begin to do this. And I'm not talking about skydiving. I'm talking about maybe it's dancing or taking up voice lessons or an activity that you're always curious about doing. That good relationships encourage us to think about growth, encourage us to think about learning new ideas, new actions, new skills, all of those things. So I think the example with your parents, it comes with kind of two great benefits. They're continuing to learn and grow which makes us feel alive. And they're doing it in a way that connects them with others. Book groups are a perfect, you know, a really terrific example of that. Yes. Or even next big idea clubs. Like I was going to say that, you know, yeah. So I'm a lifelong educator and I love it when people come together in groups to learn and to grow. So I think organizations and structures that promote that kind of engagement around learning new skills or taking in new knowledge or talking about ideas, so important as a way to bring people together. Well, Mark, I hope this prompts myself and our listeners to pay more attention to their relationships. I really appreciate the work that you do. And thank you very much for coming on our show. It was a real pleasure, Michael. I appreciated your thoughtful questions and it was fun to talk with you. And thank you listeners for spending time with me this week. Jump into LinkedIn to keep the conversation going and be sure to leave a review or a rating of this podcast. If you like it, tell a friend, because as you may have heard, friendship is important. Come back next week when I'll be talking with author Greg McEwen about how to make everything in your life effortless. I'm your host, Michael Kovnat. I wrote and produced this week's episodes. Our executive producers are Rufus Griscom and Caleb Bissinger. Sound design by Jason Freeman. The Next Big Idea Daily is a proud member of the LinkedIn Podcast Network. See you Monday.